Okay, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Glad to be with y'all. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman, from, woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying you have no, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming... And is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Lord, now we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would make this story and the words and the images light up inside of us and become real, that you would connect them to our stories. And that you would fill us once again, Holy Spirit, with that living water in those places where we need it the most, and especially with me. 
as I open my mouth. Let me decrease so that Christ may increase. And it's in his precious name I pray. Amen. St. Augustine, the great bishop and great church father of North Africa, made a very, faint, very well-known statement. He said, Lord, you have made us, this is in his confessions, Lord, you've made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You've made us for yourself. In the words of another saint, prophet, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's got a hungry heart. You lay down your money, you play your part, but everybody's got a hungry heart hungry heart. And that's the truest thing about us, right, as human beings. One thing that unites us all as human beings is the restless, hungry, or for our sermon, this talk, thirsty hearts looking for water. That's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 2. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug for themselves their own cisterns, tanks. Broken cisterns that don't hold water. So it's not just that we have thirsty, restless, hungry hearts. It's that we have broken ways of dealing with our hungry, restless, thirsty hearts. And the ways that we do it just make us thirstier. It's like drinking a Coke in July on a hot day. Makes you thirstier. And so that's why we're alienated from God. We're alienated from God because our hearts are desperately trying to find the living water, desperately trying to find some ultimate answer. Every single human being that has ever lived has a desperate thirst. And that's what this woman is. And that is where we are. We are thirsty and we're desperate at the deepest place, unable to fix a problem. And this is, this is where we meet God. It's a real surprise. You meet God at the dead end. You meet God at the bottom of the ocean. You meet God with all the loose ends. You, you meet God when you have no more answers. You meet God at the bottom. And so we're going to look at two things. First, we're going to look at the thirsty heart in this story. And then the second, we're going to look at the living water. And then so what? What do we leave with? It's this missions conference. Whatever God's doing in you, he wants to do in them. So like, what's my, what, what's my calling, whether or not I'm in full-time ministry, or whether or not I'm just... Uh, showing up and I'm in ministry uh, outside of sort of what we consider traditional full-time ministry, what does it mean to be? Whatever God's doing in you and your story, he wants to do in them. However God has met you in your thirst is exactly what he wants you to do in them. That's what it is. And so let's look at our first point together. This woman, just the, I want us to feel how heavy this woman 
And her story is how thirsty she is. I want us to identify because John wants us to identify with this woman. John wants us to identify with this woman's desperation. She was from Samaria. He mentions this a couple of times, Samaria and Samaritans. And, and the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. The Samaritans were, were a group of people that were part of the northern tribe of Israel before they divided in the Old Testament, books like First and Second Kings, before they divided. And as they were taken over, they were conquered before the southern kingdom. When they were conquered, they began to intermarry with the Gentiles, the non-Israelite, the Jewish, the non-Jewish people in their region. And so they became seen, they were seen as impure, half-breeds by the Israelites. They were called Samaritan dogs. Except they still held on to some remnant of the, 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 the religion of the Old Testament. Except they only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament when the true Israelites accepted the whole Old Testament. They even formed their own temple. They had their own temple. They had their own religion. And it was kind of like the real thing, but it wasn't. And it's what we would consider like a cult. Samaria was so despised that good, law-abiding, pious Jewish people would go around Samaria instead of go through Samaria, they would go out of their way by hours just to not have to touch the d- dirt of Samaria and get it on their sandals. And so they knew, she knew, what a rabbi like Jesus would think of her. It's not like something that has been going on for a couple of years. This is entrenched institutionalized, generational prejudice and hatred. And so she says, why are you asking me for water? Almost like, what is wrong with you? So not only is she a Samaritan, she's a woman. Do you know a rabbi that, this is, this is actually a quote from a rabbi around the first century, Listen to the way women were perceived in that culture. One shall not talk with a woman on the street. Not even with his own wife. How would that go, guys? (laughs) Certainly not not with somebody else's wife because of the gossip of men. It is forbidden to give a woman a greeting in public. So you sort of get the feeling, not only is she a Samaritan, She's a woman. But you know what, what really gets us, what really sort of really turns it all is how damaged she is, how hurt she is. She has had five husbands. And we don't know why she had five husbands. We don't know the details of that. We don't know if it was a adultery or unfaithfulness. We don't know if her husbands, which would have been uh, pretty common for her to be divorced five times, have her husband something about her, her husband sends her away five different times. Whether those husbands died, we just know that she is a woman of shame. You know, shame is different than guilt. Guilt is over things that you've done. You feel guilty for doing certain things. Shame is who you are. Shame is like 
part of your being. It's like in your blood. It's part of your bones. It's in the marrow. Shame is who you are when you walk around. Shame is not something you even think about. It's just kind of something that you do. When you, get, when you walk in a room, shame is there. When you sit down at a restaurant, shame is there. When you have a conversation, shame is there. Shame is like something that you wear. It's over your shoulders. That's who this woman is. And so we ask the question, people have spilled a lot of ink on who this woman is and what happened to her. Is she a victim? Yes. Is she a perpetrator? Yes. She's us. She's as messed up as the rest of us. Here's the problem. Some of us just look better than she does, but we're just as messed up. That's why, you know, that's why she's going to get water at noon. That's the sixth hour. You didn't go get water in the middle of the day. You went either early in the morning or you went in the evening. You didn't go. There was, in other words, she went to the water fountain when no one else would be there because she didn't have any friends. She was a curse word. She was the woman that people would talk about when she walks into the store, into the coffee shop. She's the one that has a past, has a history, and people are cutting their eyes or looking away. And then when she walks out, that's all they talk about for the next half hour. Just imagine, I want you to imagine her with these water jars walking to this place in the middle of the day, how alone she is. Some of y'all feel that alone right now. Think about that word deserted. Think about it. It's like turning the word desert into a verb or an adverb or an adjective, a description. Someone who is deserted, she becomes a desert. She's a walking desert. And then love comes to town. You know, that's what it means to be human. That's why stories like this are over and over and over again. Genesis to Revelation is because this is what we feel like in this world. Now, religion can kind of make us forget that because it makes us feel like we're okay. But Lord, spare me from that kind of religion. There's an old psychiatrist named Paul Turnier, uh, somewhere in the middle of the 20th century, and he once said, nothing makes us lonelier than our secrets. Think of, is that not the absolute truth? Nothing makes us lonelier than our secrets. Lonelier than our secrets, because if life is like a puzzle, we keep trying to put these puzzle pieces together, and we just can't make them fit. Now, we want everyone else a lot of times to think that we're, we're doing okay and that we're the puzzles all together, but it's not all together. I've been in ministry for 16 years. Nobody's got the puzzle together. I remember telling one of my students at Vanderbilt, he was in a really hard spot. And I love at Vanderbilt because, you know, you get these little windows of time where they join the human race. It's really nice. You make a 36 on the ACT, you've got a window where you're going to be like the rest of us, right? Girlfriend breaks up with you. You, you, you're, you're taking too many drugs, sex is not doing the thing, everything. You, you hit that window, you come on in. That's when they're in my office. And here's what I said. I said, just kind of like the puzzle. And I told him the puzzle story. He said, yeah, yeah, it's not like the puzzle, except my puzzle pieces are on fire. He said, you try to put a puzzle together when the pieces are on fire. 
So we have to come up with these solutions. And that's what she's done, five different husbands. Five different men, and the, men she's li- the man she's living with right now is not her husband. So before we point the bony finger of indignation at this woman, let's point it right back at ourselves. The broken things we do are trying to answer the thirst that we've had our whole entire lives. This goes right back to the Garden of Eden. We have broken ways of dealing with our broken hearts. So we give ourselves to people and to things. We give ourselves to substances. We give ourselves away. We become obsessed with work. We become obsessed with our phones. We become obsessed with noise and news and sports and music. And there's no silence because when we're silent, here's the thing. When we're silent long enough, maybe at the middle of the day, right there in the desert, if we're silent long enough, that's when the snakes come out of the basket. And all of our stories and all of our needs and all the puzzle pieces, they all come rattling around. Y'all feel her? You know, this is what every good song is about. This tension is the human condition. Every good song is about this. I'll spare you. I'm a songwriter. I'm a wannabe songwriter. I love music. I love songs, so I quote songs all the time. And I was thinking, like, what's, what's a song that just nails this? This desperation, this dead end, it is dock of the bay. Sitting in the morning sun. I'm just going to be sitting until the evening comes. Just watching the ships roll in. Then I'll watch them roll away again. I'm just going to sit at the dock of the bay, watching the tides roll away. Left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay. The beautiful thing about this, Otis singing this song, he's, what he's saying is, I am searching and I am restless and I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm just right here. This is who I am. God, help me. I've tried to do it and I can't do it. That's where God shows up, right at the dock of the bay. As long as you're okay, you don't need him. As long as we're okay, that we're taking care of our thirst, we're okay, we don't need the water. But when we start feeling this need, this desperate need, we can't be self-sufficient anymore. That's why when people come into my office and they tell me this has happened or this has happened and I can't keep the cheese on the cracker anymore. I can't keep going. I, I want to give up. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so angry. I'm so guilty. I had a student come to my office just last week and he went, I did this, this, and this, and I smoked this, this, and this. And he was broken. And I said, I'm so excited for you. And he went, what is wrong with you? I said, You're bu- I said you have an opportunity to to meet the most precious, wonderful, kind Jesus. As long as you're okay, you don't need a Savior. Jesus said, as long as you're not sick, you don't need a doctor. So the thirsty woman meets the living water. Verse 3, he left Judea, departed for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And the word there, the Greek word there, said it was necessary. It is necessary. Here's the point. He wanted to go through Samaria, and he couldn't care less what they thought about it. He wanted to be with this woman. And this woman doesn't even want to be with herself. 
And he tells her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and the one that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Later on, Jesus calls himself living water. I am water. What kind of person calls himself water? Do you ever think about the things that Jesus called himself? I am way. That's what he called himself. I am the way. I am truth. My name's truth. My name is life. My name is living water. A person is water. He had to pass through Samaria because the Father is seeking True worshipers, not people who are okay, but people who are in chaos. Listen to what one New Testament scholar says. So let's just listen to him. By deliberately sitting on the well without a bucket, Jesus placed himself strategically to be in need of whomever would pass by. That's why she asked him, Why are you sitting at a well without a bucket? He does three things. He breaks the social taboo by talking to a woman. You're not even supposed to make eye contact. He does it. Jesus ignored a 500-year-old hostility by talking to the Samaritan. They're not even supposed to use the same vessels. Jesus wants to drink out of her cup. But here's the most important one. Jesus so totally humbles himself that he needs her service. You talk about this is the great surprise. Jesus does not establish his initial relationship with her by explaining how she needs him and his message. Rather, here's what he's saying. I'm weak. I need your help. Can you help me? Here's why we miss Jesus. Not because he's too high. It's because he's too low. He's more pathetic than she is. The God of the universe is down here. Or as my mentor used to tell me, the reason you don't understand this is because it's so simple. You have to become like a child to understand this. See, we make it complicated because we want to boast about it. We want it to be about us. But simplicity just says, that's free water. I'm going to have the water. Takes all our pride away. Takes all our posing away. Takes all your games away. Takes all your trying to fix yourself away. Where you just come to the water. Oh, that's good. Good news. Right now. She says to him in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to come here to draw water. Jesus said, go call your husband to come here. Talk about to scratch across the record. Hey, kids, a record is something that people used to listen to music <laughs> and it would scratch. Can you imagine how awkward that moment was? Go call your husband and come here. She said, I don't have a husband. And you think he kind of back up, pump the brakes a little bit. He says, I know you don't have a husband. And the man you're living with right now is not your husband. So she know, you know what she does? She does what a nice southern person would do. She changes the subject. <laughs> Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Let's talk about worship styles. 
how gracious and kind Jesus is. Later on, she says, he told me everything I ever did. Everything I ever did. Everything I ever did was laid right before this man. He speaks her greatest hurt, her greatest shame, her greatest guilt right into the air and he unmasks it. He doesn't let her change the subject. He doesn't let her block. Here's what he's saying to you. I know you. I know you. I know you better than you know you. I know it all. All of it. All of it. And I'm the water. Think about what water does. It quenches and it cleanses. And I'm the living water. And that word for living water, it means this. It's not a water, the tap that's going to get turned off. It's a water that keeps gushing and gushing and gushing. He says forever and ever. I'll put it inside of you and it'll just keep cleansing you and keep quenching you over and over and over again. It'll all come from me and from my spirit. This is what we're all about. And what's so good about this story, what's so rich about this story, is it came to the last person on the planet that it's supposed to come to. We have all these things that we've done, or things that we wanted to do, and our strengths, and our weaknesses, and our brokenness, and our soul-shattering memories that keep us locked up in the attic of our minds, our stupid, brainless attempts to make life work, we give and we give, but it's not enough. Some of y'all came here crying. Some of y'all came here lonely. Some of y'all came here overwhelmed. Some of y'all came here terrified. This Jesus down here is for you. Do you know what this means? The surprise is the living water is below us. The grace of God goes underneath our story. It's deeper than your depths. It's deeper than anything you've ever done or will ever be done to you. The living water is stronger than your guilt and shame. So when Jesus is beneath her, below her, he does it so that he might carry her deeper, bigger, stronger, greater than Jacob. That rascal. And his well. When I was writing this sermon, I was in Nashville, and I was, I was eating at a restaurant called McDougal's in, in Hillsborough Village. And in Hillsborough Village, they're doing all of this construction. They're knocking buildings down, and they're doing all kinds of things. But right next to McDougal's, I was just drinking my iced tea, walking out, minding my own business, and there is a hole to the center of the earth right next to me. I remember just walking by and just going like, oh, they're doing some construction. Oh, there's, oh my goodness, what is that? They were digging down because they're building like a parking deck under the earth with these massive excavators. And there was this guy that was working. He had a hard hat. And he saw me. I saw it and I went, whoa, whoa. And even though there was a fence, I just felt like I was going to. And he looked at me and he went, uh-huh. <laughs> and in that moment, I saw it. His love is deeper than the city. It's, deep, it's deeper than your story. It's deeper than your name. It's deeper than who you were born to. It's deeper than all of it. It's the living water. 
And so we have thirsty, hungry hearts. Let them fall on Jesus. Fall on him. Right now. Think about water. I know water was precious back then, but think about water now. It's the only free thing at the fast food restaurant. When you go to a fast food restaurant and they say, what do you want to drink? You just say, I'll have just water. Just, just water, right? And they kind of give you that weird look and they give you that weird little plastic glass like they're mad at you. They shame you for just getting water. Hey, here you go. You just go get some water. And you hope they have the sparkling water. You feel like you're getting away with something. You know, the fountain. Like I'm feeling, you know what I'm saying? Just water. Just water. The only free thing that you can have. The only free thing that can, you can have right now. You say, you're going to go into your week. You're going to go back to where you are. You're going to go back into the trenches. You're going to go back into the routines. You're going to go back into your stories. You're going to go back into the chaos. But the love that's deeper than our stories is just water. The good news is this. The greatest thing that has ever happened and will ever happen to the cosmos, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is as available and as free as water. It is as real as bread. It is as precious as wine. It is as true as the truth in all caps. And you can just have it. So what? Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Inner Voice of Love, puts it this way. Where you are most human, most yourself, weakest, there Jesus lives. Bringing your fearful self home is bringing Jesus home. You know what that means? Some of you, some of us don't feel very close to God. It's because you're not close to you. Now, if you want to think, like, test my reformed cred... That's what Calvin, that's John Calvin, like John Calvin, starts the institutes with. Knowledge of God brings knowledge of self, and knowledge of self brings knowledge of God. You can't have one without the other. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to you, the real you, the broken you. The closer you get to this Jesus who calls himself gentle and lowly of heart, gentle. You bring your heavy, broken self then you're a missionary. You live on him, through him, and for him. You never get over this. So the question is, how are you really like this woman? How are you like this woman? You look better than her, but how are you like this woman? And how is the Lord wanting to press into that to give you just, just water? And then out of that, springs of living water. You know what ministry is? It's just the water that's flowing out of you. That comes as you repent, as you experience the forgiveness and love of God that just flows out of you. It's like sparks flying off of God's power and love in your life. It's not about you being some special second-tier Christian. Some Navy SEAL Christian that's like super Christian. Do you know what the world needs? Christians not trying to be awesome Christians. Just being people who found the water. And saying, come here, let's go down here. Be approachable. Now, how do you do that? You just come to the table. Just come to the table. The table of God. The final table of God. And I'll close with some lyrics that I wrote. Pardon me. <laughs> when you can't find a place that doesn't ache, sit down at the table. When your burden is just more than you can take, sit down at the table. When your friends are all gone, to their corners alone, 
and your river of dreams is dry as a bone, come on home. <coughs> Sit down at the table. When you've got secrets that nobody knows, sit down at the table. When your list of regrets grows and grows, sit down at the table. When you can't see the truth through all the lies and you can't see the road because of the tears in your eyes, I got a place you can hide. Sit down at the table. He's going to fix your favorite thing. You don't have a thing to bring except your hungry heart and a sad song to sing. Sit down. Sit down. When you don't even know what you think anymore, sit down at the table. You're still fighting, but you forgot what for. Sit down at the table. You've paid all your debts, but you're still not free. Don't act like you've got somewhere better to be. Get right here by me and sit down at the table. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus for this church, for your spirit that is so evident here. And Lord, we just let us, make, let us be simple. Let us be childlike and fall on Jesus. Just once again, in the midst of our, right in the midst of the storm, that you're with us. Bless us now as we go to this table in Jesus' name. Amen.